Okay, folks. All right, we're getting, we're getting to that time of year where we're going to need extra seats. And we have big families, some of them coming in. And so if you're sitting and you got two empty and someone's sitting and two empty, try to open those up so that people can sit together. That'd be the friendly thing to do. And we'd appreciate it very much, okay? Got a lot of new families coming in. Make them feel welcome. Thank you all so much for sliding and giving people room. There will be more coming. So, you know, if we're singing and you see someone come in and you've got the empty chairs, ask them to come in down your row. All right. If you have a celebration guide and you're a first, second time guest with us, we would please ask you to fill out the registration that is on your bulletin. Please, the registration, rip that off and just throw it in the offering plate when it comes around. That's all we would ask you to give us is just a record that you were with us here today. All right. Uh, some of the things to point out, of course, we encourage it always to go to that QR thing and scan that, find out what uh, is going on. But we do have some new things that start, and I like to at least let you know about them. This Wednesday night, I'll be starting the Wednesday night uh, live Bible study again. It is going to be an awesome study on where do we go from here. And um, so, and the books are in, so we'll have the books available. The uh, study guide books will be here and be available for you. A week from tonight, uh, Pastor Steve is going to be beginning a class, a, a marriage class. And so that will be on a Wednesday night, and that is also going to be a great one. Where's Stan Solman? Oh, Stan right here. What, what, what date is your September 7th? 17th, a, a study on Sundays that will be about, I guess, defending your faith, maybe. Um, that is an excellent class. I would love to have some of you to get involved in, in that also. And that will be on September 17th, a Sunday. All right. Uh, check out the rest of it. Youth tonight, of course. Uh, had a great time last week. Boy, they're, they're filling up. And uh, before long, we're going to be saying we've got to build a new youth area. Joke. All right. All right, let's stand. Welcome somebody around you to church.
Don't lean on your ununderstanding. He can make all things new, amen, if he so desires. New song for us. I'm sure you'll recognize it. We hope you'll recognize it. <laughs>
holy God, and we worship you, Father. And we thank you that you stand the test of time. That when all other else and all things fail, you have never failed. You've never given up. You just always have been the one consistent thing. A holy, awesome, incredible, powerful God. This morning as we turn our attention to another side of worship and giving, Father, we pray you would use it so others would know your name, Yahweh, the one who saves. We worship you, Jesus, and we praise things in your name. Amen. upon me while I was thinking of something else. <laughs> Here's what I was thinking of. How to stay positive in a negative world. You know, it's hard, isn't it? Or when things in your life are messed up, screwed up, and all that jazz, it's really hard to stay positive. But I'm trying to remember that God has a purpose and a plan for each one of you and me. And he isn't going to let loose of that plan just because we're going through something that's bad. Right? And so when I think of that, I think of how beautiful and wonderful and awesome we were all created in our mother's womb, and he knew that before we were even born. And that gives me a little bit of encouragement. Does it give it to you? Let's stand, all you beautiful people out there, as we sing together this morning. I tell you, it's tough sometimes, isn't it? <clears throat> i 
you are the creator of everything that is good and holy. And we thank you, Father, you think enough of your creation that when we go through those tough times, Lord, all we have to do is lift it up to you and you'll be right there making us new, pruning us, helping us to walk through the tough times, to walk through the journey, to see the light at the end of the tunnel, Father. We're so grateful, Jesus. Lord, this morning, help us to learn to trust you more. As Pastor talks about it, but as we experience it firsthand in our own lives, Father. Help us to trust you with all of our heart and not to lean on our understanding of anything because you promise us in the word you're going to make that path straight and we're counting on it. So we lift it up to you this morning. We praise you in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Y'all do look good. Really do. Good, good looking group today. Not that the group last week wasn't looking good. Y'all are looking good. There's a lot of you, and you're looking good. Where's your shoes? <laughs> Can't take her anywhere. <laughs> All right. We're going to be continuing today to talk about what we've been dealing with the last few weeks, and that's how to trust God during tough times, difficult times. And how do you trust him no matter what? Um, and that's really what the first verse in the outline is about. If you'd look at that, Psalm 62 says, trust in God at all times, my people. Tell him all your troubles for he is our refuge. So we've been talking about the first sermon was how to trust God when changes are happening in your life. And then last week we talked about how to trust God when you're actually going through trouble when it's actually right there facing you in your life. This week, we're going to take a few minutes, and we're going to look at the fact that sometimes, whatever the problem may be, the reason that we don't trust God is because we don't want to trust God. Are you with me on that? I mean, I've been there. You've been there too. And I don't, listen, when I say that, I don't mean, well, I don't believe in God. I'm not going to trust him. I don't mean that. I mean, when things happen in our life, um, and the situation and the circumstances, it's like, I don't know if I trust that God can do this. I don't know if God's going to get, be able to get me out of this. That's what I'm talking about. Now I could sit up here, um, and, and talk about trusting God in this circumstance and trusting God in that circumstance. And that's great on a Sunday, but what do you do on Monday? And what do you do on Tuesday and on, on Wednesday? That day when you just don't feel like it, you, you feel too worried or you feel overwhelmed. You notice I'm using that word feel a lot. If, if you're new to the life of faith in the Lord, say you know, you've not been saved that long, you've not given your life to the Lord following him for that long of a period of time, let me just tell you, you're going to face today what I'm talking about probably hundreds of times. Because those of us who've been living a life of faith for a while, they're going to know what we're talking about. And again and again, you're going to come up against this thing between your faith and your feeling. And let me just tell you right up front, I have struggled with this my entire life, and I still struggle with this 
after 42 years of ministry, and that is my feelings. You know, mamas have a pretty good insight into their children. Mothers pretty well can, can read their kids' minds and their, and their emotions. When I was a young man, 20-something years old, my mother told me, she said, Lloyd, you're going to have problems because you live so much by your feelings. And you're going to have difficulty in the spiritual realm because of that if you don't get the thing right about your, the facts of God versus your feelings about it. So I want to talk, and she was right. She was a prophetess in that because it was exactly right. So I want to take a few minutes. Now, thankfully, age and years and years of ministry and watching other people, it finally gets to where you feel like, well, I'm getting there. But I'm going to tell you, I don't believe any of us are there to where we 100% all the time, no matter what, we trust God. It, that's a hard thing to do. But I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the process, um, a simple process that God talks about in his word. And here's how you trust even when you don't feel like it. Then I want to take a few more minutes, the last half, and talk about those times when you have specific feelings fear and anger and things like that. And I want to go over what is God's diagnosis, kind of like if you were sitting with the Lord and he was a doctor. What is the diagnosis and what is his prescription for getting you through that? All right. Are you with me so far? We understand there's a battle between feelings and faith going on almost all the time. Number, There's four things. Number one, I ca- I've got to remember that trust is not an emotion. Trust is not an emotion. What do I mean? I mean this. I don't have to feel like trusting the Lord in order to trust the Lord. Because trust is not an emotion. And Jesus talked about this that first that night before he died with his first followers, the disciples. He knew that the next day he was going to be hanging on a cross. He knew that they, after three years with him, were going to feel like they had lost everything and that it was all for naught. So he's going to tell them the difference between feeling and trust. So he says in John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. What is he saying? He's saying, look, guys, you're going to feel this way. But however, don't let what you feel overwhelm you. So, you know, if I'm, listen, if I'm going to trust God, whatever the feeling, there is a simple formula that I want to tell you about. And, and under point number one in your notes, there's three things that I want you to write down that I didn't have time or, or the, the space to actually get them all in there. Three simple things that would be like a checklist that you need to go through when you're having a hard time with your feelings and trust. Are you with me on that? All right, here's the three things. First of all, you need to check your physical. You need, listen, there is a direct connection between how you feel physically and spiritually and emotionally. There is just a connection there. I could have given you, I don't know how many examples in the book of Psalm with David about how that works. For, and let me give you another personal example. Um, my mother uh, passed away at 78 in an accident. She was still healthy, very healthy. But 
all of her life, she only took one pill that I knew of, one pill. And she told me the story. She said, Lord, back when I was in my 30s, she said, I felt like I was going crazy. She said, I felt like I'm losing it. And she said, I called Dr. Miller. Some of you that have been here forever, you know that. She said, I called Dr. Miller. And um, she said, I went and he started running a few tests. And I found out that I had a bad thyroid problem. And she took one little tiny thyroid pill every day for the rest of her life. And it smoothed it out. But she said, Lord, I didn't feel good spiritually. I felt good, uh, not good physically. And again, she said, I thought I was losing my mind. It was all physical. There's nothing wrong with you checking things out physically. Back in 1985, what would I have been? I won't tell you then, but um, young, younger man than I am now and living in Colorado. And I actually came from there back up here to Shands, to the University of Florida, to Gainesville, to find out why am I feeling like I'm feeling? It just would not get better. And they ran tests and found out that I had depleted the norepinephrine in my brain. And you talk about feeling down, and all it took was a few shots over a few weeks, and it started working again. And, And But it was physical. Are you with me on that? Check the physical if you're not feeling right. Number two, check the emotional. Your emotions have a big thing with you physically and spiritually. As I mentioned to you a few weeks ago when we talked about feelings of loss and those of you that have said goodbye to a kid that's gone off to college and they've gone off and now the, the room there is empty and you remember we talked about how it, you, you grieve over it and you, you feel a loss over that. Um, maybe something's going on in your life where that feeling is, is expected. So look at the emotional of what's going on in your life. And then number three, you need to check the spiritual. You do need to check the spiritual. Maybe I'm having a hard time trusting. Are you listening to this? Maybe I'm having a hard time feeling far away from God because I am far away from God. That's a very real possibility. I mean, maybe he's asked you to do something and you've said no. Or maybe he's asked you to stop doing something and you've said no. Or you've not been reading his word. Or you've not been praying. Or you've not been coming faithfully and being with other believers. Maybe all of that's going on. But there can be a spiritual problem. But if you check all of that, then check the spiritual. Check the physical. Check the emotional. But remember, trusting is not an emotion. You got number one? All right, number two. Set your heart on God's love for you. Set your heart on God's love for you. You realize that whatever the circumstance you're having, whatever feelings you're you're having, God loves you. Now, I want to say something about this in, in a moment, so stay with me on this. I love these verses, actually, from the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, where Paul says, I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. Don't miss that. You might, you might feel far from God, but ladies and gentlemen, you're not. God loves you no matter what. Now, let me just say this. 
I don't want anybody to get the impression because I believe we preachers have given that impression when we shouldn't have, that yes, God loves you and God loves you forever and God loves you no matter what, but that does not mean that you can just do anything you want to do. That does not mean you can live any way you want to live. You can live immorally, you can live cheating, or you can, that doesn't mean that. It means that God really, and he does, I mean, if you, if you deny him and you end up not going to heaven and going to hell, you go there with him still loving you. Do you know that? He loves you that much, but you've got to respond to that. He's not going to force his love on you. And you may have chosen not to allow his love in your life, but the bottom line is he still loves you. It is a no matter what kind of love, right? You got that? Say, I got that. All right. We need, listen, we need that more than ever right now in our society. God, God is not out to get you. He's not out to trick you. He's not out to blame you. God's heart is loving. He wants to love you more than you want to be loved. He wants to forgive you more than you want to be forgiven. He wants you in heaven more than you want to be in heaven. That's, that's the kind of God that we have. Now, let me tell you a couple of, well, one example to happen two times. Have any of you ever had a bird fly in your house, in the house? I've had that, I can only think of twice, where a bird actually flew into the house. And of course, what did he or she start doing? Bong, the, the window pane, right? Bam, the window pane, bam, the window pane, trying to find a way out. Well, I, I didn't want a, the bird to hurt itself, and of course, I, I want to help it, so I go get a broom. Now, I'm not getting that broom so I can swipe him and knock him out and then put him outside. No, I'm getting that broom so I can gently move him toward the open door. And folks, that is a good illustration in our life of sometimes we get in a circumstance where what seems to be the only way out is that window pane. And we, that's why they call it pain too. Bam, you know, bam, bam, bam. You know, you're hitting yourself up against that. Now, what do you think that bird thought when they saw me come back with a broom? He's going to beat me to death. Didn't know that I, I'm trying to get it. Listen, because just like God, I know where the opening is. God knows where the open door is in your life. And when he gets out his broom, it's not to beat you with it. It's to direct you toward the open door that will free you. So if right now, the circumstances that God is allowing or maybe even brought into your life is like a big broom pushing you in the exact opposite the way you think it ought to go. Just remember, God knows where the door's open. Remember that. That's number two. Number three. Number two is set your heart. Number three is set your mind. <clears throat> set your mind on things that will last. Do you know what's going to last we already talked about one of God's love. That's going to last. Eternity in heaven is going to last. Amen? When you get to heaven, everything that's good about it is going to last forever. And that's why Paul says over and over, put your mind, set your mind on those things that will last. Colossians 3.1, since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. 
where Christ sits at the right hand of God in the place of honor and power. What does he say? Set, set your mind on what is really real. When I'm going through a tough time, what seems to be real to me is the circumstance, right? The circumstance around me. And, and I'm going to feel a certain way. And the Lord says, no, I want you to put your mind, even though the circumstance is there, put your mind on the things that will never, ever change. And keep your mind there until it does change. You, listen, you might feel like everybody where you work has been talking about you. When the truth is, they haven't really thought about you for months. And there's, you know, but, but you, you saw them talking. And while they were talking, one of them happened to look your way. So you thought it was all about you. Or you may feel like that person cut you off intentionally out on the highway when they probably didn't. They're just texting you know, or doing something they shouldn't be doing with a phone, which is a whole different set of problems. Uh, but in order to trust, when you don't feel like trusting, you don't focus on your feelings. And I'm saying that to you now knowing that I'll struggle with that tomorrow. You struggle with your feelings. What is God doing? What is really going to last? So the f number one in your notes should have been, you trust, trust is not an emotion. Set your heart on God's love. Set your mind on the realities of God, of life. And number four, don't face it alone. I've been finding a way to put that, some, something like that in almost every sermon series. I am convinced it's not, a, it's not a good idea. I'm convinced that we were meant to rely on other people and that God does not want me facing life alone. Two weeks ago, we read this verse. I want to read it again, and I'm going to ask you to read it out loud with me. It's Ecclesiastes 4.12. Two people can resist an attack that would defeat one person alone. A rope made of tree cords is hard to break. True story, a pastor that I was reading about, he took a 15-pound weight, you know, the kind that guys put on the bars, had the hole in it, a 15-pound weight. He took a spool of thread, just ordinary cheap thread, and he reached down and he tied that thread around that weight, and he kept trying to pick it up, did it twice, and of course, when he picked it up, pop, it would just snap, the, the thread would snap. He took three pieces of that exact same thread and he licked his fingers at both ends and he twisted them all together and he tied them around that weight and he picked it up and started swinging it over the audience. Can you imagine? Y'all be running, wouldn't you? <laughs> swinging that weight over the audience. Why? Because a rope of three cords is hard to break. And what am I saying there is simply there. It, it would be this, that if you're going through a circumstance and you're having a hard time with it because you're just one person, find two more people, get in a group, find somebody, two other people that can add their thread to yours, their faith, their love. That's the process, by the way, that God gives us when we don't feel like trusting. And, and again, though, the truth of the matter is there's a lot of reasons why we don't feel like trusting. And I want to give you, um, like we said, like doc, the Lord is uh, 
telling us here's the diagnosis, here's the prescription. There's four other things as we cl- the last half that I want to share with you um, of what do, what does God want me to do? I mean, you've you've given us a good foundation and a background, but what about specific things that go, go through my mind and my heart when it, whenever trouble comes? Number one, what about when you're anxious? When you're anxious, you're worried, you're anxious. Well, God has a prescription for that. We already know the diagnosis. What's the prescription? Well, in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, I have memorized that in my King James from many, many years ago. But I want to read this to you out of the message paraphrase. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. That's God's prescription, right? Pray. You let petition and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of our lives. Isn't that great? You, you pray about what you're worried about. Now, I, listen, I don't know why it is, but I've learned just in the last few years, a great truth about praying. When I would pray, um, and I don't mean the little sentence prayers that I do all day long. I mean, during the time that I set aside to pray, what I would do is, you know, like most of you, there was a pattern, you know, and and a lot of times there's a habit. You're going to do it in a certain order. And so I would pray all these things, and then I would finally get to what's really been on my mind for the last day and a half, you know? And so what I do now is when I go to the Lord in prayer, I would say, Lord, I'm not going to pray about all these missionaries. I'm not going to pray about the, this at the church. Not gonna, Lord, here's what I've been thinking about for the last day, and I need help. You, you tell him, you give him that worry right up front. Uh, and give it to the Lord. So when you're anxious, what's the, what's the prescription? Pray. Number two, what about when you're afraid? And are you, write that down when you feel afraid, because I want to clarify that. I'm, when I say afraid, I'm talking about an actual circumstance. The reason I'm saying that is because studies have shown that about 90 to 95% of what we worry about never happens. So I'm talking about things that are actually right there in front of you. Anxiety, you may feel like you're losing a job and, and, and you're afraid of that because you're afraid of what will happen to my family, what will happen to my finances, what will happen to my future. And that fear comes and there's a biblical situation that we give that a name. It's called having a Red Sea experience. You have a Red Sea experience. Now, you may remember what happened to Moses when he was leading the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and they come to the Red Sea, and without going into all of it, because you probably know it, they can't cross over because the ocean is right there in front of them. They look behind them. Pharaoh has changed his mind, and he's brought like 700 chariots and all of his ground army, and the Israelites just, just walked out of there. They have no weapons whatsoever, and they've got the ocean here and them ready behind them to kill them. There's no way out. What do you do? Well, there's an amazing interchange here uh, that happens between the people and Moses and Moses and the Lord. And uh, first, let's look about what happens with the people. They were afraid. 
So they come to Moses and they say, Moses, what have you done to us? We would have rather stayed back in Egypt and been slaves, but you brought us out here to this desert to die. Thanks a lot, Moses. We thought you were going to be our savior. You've ruined everything. Now, Moses, to his credit, didn't blame them back. He could have said, well, you saw all the miracles too, and you followed me when I led you out of here. I mean, you could have stayed back if you'd have wanted. But here's, listen, in, in um, Exodus 14, 13, Moses comes up with a very spiritual answer. Don't be afraid. Just stand where you are and watch the Lord rescue you. And we would all say, amen. Oh, what, a, what a man, what a man of faith. Just trust the Lord. You don't need to do anything. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds spiritual, doesn't it? Let's go down just two verses. Just two. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Isn't that, isn't that what it says? Mark it in your Bibles. Find it. Moses saying, stay where you are. God saying, get moving. I would circle those two if I were you. Get moving. Why? That's God's prescription. To take a step of faith, folks, in the direction of what only God can do. That's what he's talking about. And, and of course, the Lord's going to give them the plan, you know, about the Red Sea and, and so forth. And they've still got to take that step. They've got to walk in the direction of God. And what is this saying to you and to me? Take a step right now in the direction of only what God can do in your life. If you're facing it and you can't find a way out, then take a step toward God. But get moving. And by the way, that handles a lot of the fear. Fear paralyzes you. I don't know about you, but when I'm really a fear paralyzes me. But this, God takes it out. Um, it breaks the power of fear in your life. I mean, folks, I've been, there's times where I've been so afraid, I was almost like paralyzed. I just can't move. I don't, I don't know what to do next. But let me, can I warn you about something? If you ask God to give you the next step and he gives it to you, don't think that he's going to give you the next 200 steps. It's one at a time. That's the way he seems to always work. You know, I remember so vividly um, when we started this church, it was during that time of the uh, mid-90s when the, uh, pastors were considered more to be CEOs and, you know, and you had Willow Creek and Saddleback and all them. And so, it, you know, and I never really bought into that. It never fit me very well. But, you know, it would be, I would read about these guys and all that they planned and how their churches were growing. And they got a three-year plan and a five-year plan and a 10-year plan. And I'm thinking, I don't even have next week's sermon. No, I'm serious. But he's not going to show you, maybe the next step for some of you is forgiveness. Maybe for some of you, it's loving somebody that you have a hard time loving. Maybe some of you need to follow the Lord in baptism. That's the next step that you need to step toward the Lord. And then ask God, ask the Lord to give you the strength to take that step. All right, here's another one, number three. How do you trust the Lord when you're stubborn? Listen, I almost here wanted to put in the biblical word, but I thought a lot of people won't know what it means. You know what the biblical word is? 
stiff-necked. That's what the Bible calls it, stiff-necked, stubborn, you know, hard-headed, we would say. Now, I don't know about you, but I will admit, sometimes I'm stubborn. Anybody else? Sometimes I can be stubborn. There's a great story uh, also, I've got a few minutes, I want to make sure I get this story in, in the Bible about a guy named Naaman. I don't know if you ever heard about the, the uh, man named Naaman, but he was, a, uh, he, he was like second in command uh, of a country of Aram that was right next to Israel. He was the captain of the guard, a very uh, well-known and, and respected man, but he had leprosy. Now, he didn't have the, the fatal kind, but it was contagious, and back then, you had to stay away. So even as a commander, from what I've read, he would have had to stay way away from his troops in a, a separate quarters. He couldn't have stayed with them, but this was a man. He was loved by his boss and so forth. Well, at that time, this country of Aram and, and this Naaman, they were making raids into Israel. They would go to the border of Israel and make raids, and they would take slaves back with them. Well, on one of these occasions, they took a little Israelite girl, and she was working in Naaman's household. And so one day she says to him, she said, you know, um, Master, she said, there's a prophet by the name of Elisha in Israel, and if you went and talked to him, I believe he would heal you. He would pray for you and you would be healed. And Naaman listened to her, to a little servant girl. So he gets this whole entourage together and they head over the border into Israel. He finds out where does this prophet Elisha live? They told him. He goes to his house. He's got all these people there with him and they knock on the door and Elisha sends a servant, one of his servants out. Can I help you? Well, yeah, I'm Naaman. I'm a very prominent man in the army of Aram, and uh, I was told that Elisha could, could maybe heal me of this leprosy, and I'd, I'd like to see him. Well, he's busy right now. He can't see you. But he did tell me, because he, he, the Lord told him you were coming. So what he did tell me was go out and wash seven times in the Jordan River, and the seventh time you come up, you'll be, you'll be healed. You'll have no more leprosy. He was furious. He was so mad. What? You, you mean... And then he said, thank you, have a good day, bye, close the door. And Naaman was furious. He didn't even bother to come out and see who was here. I mean, and so he stomped away. He was going to leave. And thankfully, his servants said to him, it's in verse 13, Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you to wash and be cleansed? See, we want to trust God in ways that appeal to our pride. Things that are complicated, that would impress other people how trusting we really are. We don't want to do the simple things. That's why a lot of people don't want to come to Christ. Because he already did it all. He paid it all. He died for them. He rose for them. He shed his blood for them. And all he asked them to do is trust him. I don't want to do that. That's just too easy. One of my travel shows that I told you I watch a lot here not long ago, they're showing the people in Spain, they're taking this 500-mile trip to a place called Saratoga. And they're walking for 500 miles to get there to a certain chapel with one of the saints' names, believing that if they could make that trip, they've got a place in heaven. 
And then other ones that I saw, there are people on their knees, bloodied knees, climbing on their knees and hands, these 99 steps up to where this other uh, idol is, thinking that that would earn them salvation. And Naaman faced that. So stubbornly, he said, I'm going home. But thankfully that day, he listened to his servants, did what they said, went down and washed seven times, and he was healed. Now, here's the interesting thing to me about Naaman. He's back, and I'll make a point about it. He's back in his own country, right? And he listens to a little servant girl, a servant girl, and, and believes that what she said could be true and does all the preparation to go. And then gets to Elisha's house. He sends a grown servant out to tell him what to do. I don't do that. And I'm thinking about my own life a lot of times. It's the one more thing that I don't want to do. Now, follow me on this. My faith says this. God says, Lord, I want you to do this. No problem, Lord. I'll do it. Get that done. Okay, Lord, here's one more thing I want you to do. No problem, Lord. I'll do it. Well, Lord, here's one more thing. Oh, I don't want to do that. Are you with me? Anybody ever done that? Oh, no, I, I don't want to do that. Lord, I mean, you saw I did this and I did that. How, do you, how could you want me to do this? God's trying to stretch me. God's trying to get me to trust. I told the first service, you know, it's like he's always asking us to do one more thing. And if you listen, it's like when you go to a physical therapist, if you've ever been or some of you I know are going now. If you're having a good time at the physical therapist, then they're probably not doing their job. Because they all, and I know because I did it for a few weeks, it's always one more thing. We'll do one more or do this one. Great verse in the Bible, Hebrews 3. If you hear God's voice today, don't be stubborn. That's stiff-necked. One more, real quickly. How do you trust the Lord when you're tired? How do you trust the Lord when you're tired? I'm going to tell you, folks. Most of you know my story. So I'm not going to go into that, but I love when there's good examples and things I can share with you that are happening. Back in 2017, when all of this started, I remember vividly, I wrote it in my journal, telling the Lord, Lord, I don't know what to do. You know, it's been diagnosed with this, it wasn't that, and now this, it's not that. And here's what they're thinking now, Lord, I'm going to trust your process. I'm going to trust you. You lead me to the right doctors. Whatever they say, I'm going to do it. And boy, I tell you what, after I did that, I felt so good for about a day. And then I started the process that the Lord was leading. Go to this doctor. Go to this doctor. Go to this doctor. Get this blood work, that blood work, this test, that test, this procedure, that procedure. And I'm going to tell you something. I got fed up and worn out. I was tired. I mean, I didn't want to do another thing that they were asking me to do because I was just worn out. But I have now gone back and read my notes. You told the Lord on this day that you would stay with it. You would follow him. Psalm 143, David said, I've given up all hope and I feel numb all over. Some of you have probably been there. Don't quit. Don't give up. Another passage, a little bit lengthy. Take me about 20 seconds. Let me read it. David said this later. 
I remember to think about the many things that you did in years gone by, Lord. Then I lift my hands in prayer because my soul is a desert, thirsty for water from you. Please hurry, Lord. Answer my prayer. I feel hopeless. Each morning, let me learn more about your love because I trust you. I come to you in prayer asking for your guidance. You're my God. So show me what you want me to do and let your gentle spirit lead me in the right path. Amen. And here's how Jesus said it, Matthew 11. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Let's bow our heads. For some of you in a group this size, you you probably need to come to him for the first time. You've heard about Jesus Christ, but you don't really have a relationship with him. He's not a part of your life yet. You've heard about him, but somebody maybe talked to you about him. You can begin to follow him right now. Remember, it's kind of like Naaman. It's not one big thing that you need to do. He's already done the big thing by dying for you on the cross and being resurrected. It's a matter of you simply trusting him. And if you would say in your heart, Lord, I want to do that. I want that relationship with Christ. Would love to pray with you, for you, and have you let us know that. And then others, the whole message that was mainly for us, say, Lord, here's the feeling, here's the circumstance. This is where I need to trust you. This is the habit I'm struggling with. Lord, I want to trust you and not my feelings. When I'm anxious, give me faith to pray. When I'm afraid, help me to take the next step toward you. When I'm stubborn, give me faith to hear your voice. When I'm tired, help me to come to you. I want to trust you and not my feelings. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're going to stand and ask you to come. If God spoke into your heart. You make all things God of mercy and love do what all Father, thank you for such a great crowd today. Thank you for their attentiveness and their willingness to hear and receive the Word of God. We pray that you will help us in those times where we just don't feel like trusting. Lord, we've all been there. We're going to be there again. But we need to remember these things, trusting in you. For Christ we pray. Amen. Have a great day.